The realness of boxing broken down to its core. The analysis. I fit like it is and I will continue to fit. History. I got milk, baby. The sweetest of the signs. Boy, come on, man. Stop playing. The art of the signs. With the realest Justin Adams. Let's get it on. Welcome to the Art of the Signs podcast, AOTS. You're here with your boy, your boy, the realest Justin Adams. Out here in these Chicago streets. You know what I'm saying? Um, just returning back from the from the Juneteenth uh, March, March for us, down here in uh, downtown Chicago. Great energy. Vibes were awesome. You know what I'm saying? Follow me on the social medias, J-A-M's go to realist, at Art of Side Boxing, A-R-T-O-F-S-C-I Boxing. Here, got the Juneteenth shirt right here. Got a rep Juneteenth. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's about something that happened two years before, but you know, had they still had to find out. So, if you don't know the story of Juneteenth, look it up. But uh, you know, short, short version. Uh, General Grange ran into Galveston, told the slaves there that uh, we were free, and from there started a whole uh, uplifting movement towards the rest of the slaves near in the Union. Yeah, man. I mean, it's not a lot of boxing. I have an interview out here with Roberto Andrade, a writer. He's a contributor to Ringside C Magazine, which is an e-magazine. Uh, check that out. I interviewed him uh, not too long, you know, just chopped it up about life outside of boxing, what he wants to do and the writing that he does. Uh, check out his website, boxingandhistory.com. Check that out. You see some vlogs by he and his family. Uh, just got his doctorate from SMU uh, in history. I mean, you got a little boxing. We got some upsets that upsets that happen. Uh, heavyweights, uh, not too much going on with them. I mean, the IBF is trying to trying to offer some type of flexibility. Uh, other than that, I mean, we got a match coming up, uh, top rank with another card. So, you know, I know, no, per usual. What? No. What? What is this? I'm the realist, Justin Adams. And welcome to AOTS, Art of the Science, the realest boxing podcast out here in these internet streets. Well, well, well. Realest boxing news, unbiased analysis, breakdowns, and previews. The most diabolical this side of the Mississippi. Don't forget to follow me at JA underscore the realist and Art of South Boxing, A-R-T-O-F-S-C-I Boxing. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Go Google that shit. See what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, man. Out here rapping. Well, we can talk about the two top ring cards that happened on Tuesday and Thursday. We're starting with Tuesday with the main event being Joshua Rear taking on Mike Planilla. And Planilla comes out the winner, man. He came out as the winner. Uh, Rear got caught twice. Uh, well, got knocked down twice. But he responded uh, a little too late in the, uh, in the fight to try to come back and win it. But it's definitely a slip on Greer's part, you know, uh, taking the L by majority decision. I thought that uh, Planillo actually won it by at least by those two knockdowns and uh, a round. Um, but Joshua, uh, but Joshua Greer, he took he took it in stride, man. He understood he understood that there were mistakes that were made. Um, he vows to be back in 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 title contention, which I think he'll be as well. 
Um, yeah, but Greer took it with class, man. He didn't make any excuses. He just understood that there were mistakes made, and he's just working on what he needs to work on. And Planilla, man, just just puts him just puts him in a very good position. I mean, opportunities coming to him. He shows that he can be up there when it, when the lights are big and bright. Now, that's not the brightest they can be, but this is definitely a huge step up for Planilla. And those left hooks were coming out of nowhere. I'm telling you, uh, Planilla would try to use that that right hand. To try to beat Joshua to to leave his uh, to leave his jaw open and he would leave his hand down and those right and those left hooks would just be nasty shots just just period man and that was on Tuesday on Thursday top rank uh, top rank had another card uh, led by what was supposed to be Jose Pedraza however his card was scrapped his match was scrapped because of his opponent uh, manager testing positive for COVID so. They took the main event off the card, but uh, the show went on. Gabriel Flores Jr. I'm sorry, yeah, Gabriel Flores Jr. Uh, he he became the main event. It was a uh, t- a talented prospect coming out of the top rank guys that really you know they're top rank guys that really like him. And he came out and dominated. Said that he uh, he got lower back injury, but that didn't stop him from sweeping the cards in the fight. But there was an upset on that card too with uh, Clay Collard, man, coming out beating another 19-year-old prospect. Uh, a 19-year-old prospect where there, you know, Kaminsky had some uh, backing behind him. People thought that he was going, and he still could. He still could achieve some things. But Kaminsky took the L last night to Collard, and Collard is uh, he fights. He's a he's a boxer and he fights in UFC. And it's funny to see a gatekeeper actually keep the gate closed for the most part and he did this a couple months i think a few months back in mississippi he beat uh another 19 year old uh prospect that was highly touted as well and the wins and the you know and the wins keep coming up for collar man college is gonna put himself in a position where he's gonna he might turn out to be like a luis Colazo type fighter where you know he has the experience he's been through the wars but when he wins he wins and he and he re and he rides those waves yeah, man, boxing, baby, like, top rank doing what they can with the bubble, you know what I'm saying? And they got another card Saturday. Um, they The card Saturday involves Emmanuel Navarrete, the WBO, I think he's a bantamweight champion, if I'm not mistaken. But the point is, this guy's fighting again. <laughs> this man never stops fighting. I mean, the competition seems to be lower level uh, in terms of, like, him being a uh, real heavy favorite to win uh, these fights, and he shows why he's the favorite in these last fights that he's defended since beating uh, Dog Ball for the title. I mean, never read they're still fighting though. Like, yeah, I mean, the competition ain't that great, but I don't think the competition is going to be great regardless, just because of what they're having Never read they do. They want him to be out here often, <laughs> and and it's a non-title fight too, so at least the belt's not up for grabs, but. Maybe it should be, just so just so you can watch. But that fight comes on on that fight comes on on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? I think we need to have a house meeting, y'all. All right. AOTS, Art of the Science, the realest boxing podcast in these internet streets. Boxing? I want to see somebody knock that motherfucker's head off. The realest, Justin Adams, bringing you that real boxing news, analysis, breakdowns, previews. Hey yo, shut the f- up. Come hold it down with the realest every Friday. Google and Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. I mean, really, man, you could just f- 
to the interview I had with uh, Roberto Andrade. Um, so first, the IBF, they come, they have offered some flexibility for Joshua to, uh, Joshua, Anthony Joshua, that is, to not have a firm deadline of when when the uh, fight between him and Pulev should happen, you know, because it was supposed to happen in June. But for obvious reasons, that's not happening. And... Not this is what I'm saying it's not really too much of news, but at the same time, it is something that is going to be noted, which means either Pulev and Joshua might might not be able to find a way to have this match, or it's just going to happen much later in the year. Neil Boy Adrian Broner's out here talking mad noise. Uh, so during a IG live, full time rapper Broner. By the way, he's he's rapping now. He's he he has said he's retired from the boxing for now. And Mia Mans was like he would he would beat Regis Pograi. He was supposed to fight Hooker, uh, Maurice Hooker, but that fight uh, fell through because of weight. And my thing is like, you gonna talk knows about Pograi though? Like, I th- I think Pograi Pograi's a talented fighter, man. And uh, that fight against Josh Kelly that he lost was pretty. Uh, Josh Taylor, I'm sorry, was pretty. Uh, was a pretty competitive fight. So. I don't see how Broner could beat him, but Broner out here is like, nah, I could kick his ass, this, that, and the third. It's like, I don't know, man. I hope this is not one of those, those things where you you put out this interview to talk this mad noise, and then it's like, you trying to draw him back into, you trying to draw him back into the ring by fighting Pagrai. Like, that's a fight I'd actually watch, and I'm pretty sure I put my money on Pagrai to win, Pagrai to win that. that. That's just being real. So, like I said, I didn't have much. Like I said, not much really going on. But we do have, uh, like I said, we do. I do have the interview with Roberto Andrade, uh, accomplished writer. Man, has written for LA Times. He's a contributor for Ringside Seat Magazine, which is a real like nor like boxing nor uh, e magazine. Decent to read. They do a lot of uh, human. Like, I won't say human interest stories, but they they do a lot of different stories about uh, about different boxers in the game, whether they be prominent or just a good story. You know what I'm saying? Um, he has his boxing and history.com website, uh, where he has these blogs, his boxing history, life, him as a, uh, zero, uh, Fronterizo. And I, th- I, I really enjoyed the interview just because of the fact that he was, uh, he was very forthcoming in certain things that he wrote about. So yeah, man, next Friday, back at it, might have some, the, the never read the results. I'm gonna do some research into a couple of things, uh, a couple of matches that might be coming up in the future, especially uh, Lopez, uh, Delfimo, and, Lo- and Lomachenko. Also, you got uh, Oscar Valdez coming back to the ring. You also have uh, Burchell coming back to the ring. Like these guys are gonna start coming back into the ring, and as more updates come, I definitely uh, will keep you abreast and update on update on everything that's going. I'm the student heavyweight champion of the world. Who next? Harder the signs with the realist. I'm the best heavyweight champion of the world. I'm having WPC with me. I want who next? You can follow Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. J-A underscore the realist. Art of side boxing. That's A-R-T-O-F-S-C-I boxing. You're a regular from down the street. What are you doing? I want who next? Uh, 
Well, so first thing first, Roberto, you know, how, how are you and yours during these times, man? These uh, times of, 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 of information and, uh, you know, the virus and things of that nature. How are you and your people holding up? We're doing well, man. Thank you. Uh, uh, you know, just, just trying to stay as safe as possible, trying to, uh, basically trying to protect ourselves when, when, uh, the state or federal government isn't. So, you know, yeah. trying to stay safe. I feel you. I feel you. So, uh, I saw one of the first thing that I read was actually the, the vlog about you, uh, potty training your daughter. Right. And I know right now you had a time, you know, you know, there's more time than enough to, you know, to, focus on that and I, and I was reading you was like yeah this is about the you know best time to do it how has that progress been for you you know what I'm saying how, how are we looking <laughs> it's good I mean uh, outside of the the accident here or there uh <laughs> you know it seems like uh she's uh she's got it she's uh I mean we still we haven't progressed to the point that she sleeps without diapers yeah but, but I mean we're pretty confident that uh that that she has it but yeah, I mean, because we uh, I have a two year old nephew that I'm I'm pretty much a part of his life, so we so I'm I'm in that stage right now as well as trying to get him to use the restroom. Like he he'll say that he wants to go, but he he's not going, you know. Right. <laughs> so the fact that he wants to go and he knows that it's there, that you know, to me for me that's progress, especially with the time that we have. You know what I'm saying? So how did you how did, first how did you get into boxing, man? What what uh what what drew you to the sport and what keeps you there now? Well, I was always interested in boxing. My my family's from from Juarez, across the border from El Paso mm -hmm. in Mexico. Uh, I was, I mean, you know, obviously there's a deep history of boxing with Mexicans, and uh, I mean, I was as far back as I can remember. Boxing was always just there, part of my life. We, uh, you know, grew up watching Julio Cesar Chavez fight. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all of these other kind of like more regionalized boxing heroes within Mexico, you know, something like, like, uh, Pipino Cuevas, uh, uh, you mm -hmm. know, Bias, all of these kind of, uh, lesser known national figures, but that yeah. they were well known. Uh, and, uh, I just, I just, for a while there was, uh, I wanted to box, but obviously you, you know, uh, you get to a point where you realize you're not good enough and you're only going to hurt yourself. Right. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so, so that came for me, and uh, you know, I just just stuck around with it. I I, I kept uh, I was always interested in the history of boxing. I was interested more and more in in what boxing means to Mexicans, and not just to Mexicans, but to to people, right? Whether you whether you live in the United States, whether you live in Mexico, or you live in Germany, wherever wherever there's boxing, it has uh, it has a deep symbolism, and uh, so that's that's pretty much what uh, what's kept me into it, writing about it. All right, awesome. And when it and like with you writing, man, like for me personally, it's hard for me to sit and read for long amounts of time, just because of my my attention span is not like okay, this is enough. I'm gonna set this to the side. But man, I was able to read through most of your blogs. And man, I don't. When did you develop your style of writing, or when did you know that writing for you was good? Because if for me, bro, you you were able to keep my attention. You know what I'm saying? With how you were writing, how I was able to visualize what you wrote. I mean, it, it was good. There were great pieces. So well, what, thank you. what kept you writing? Well, uh, actually, I got into writing about boxing uh, I while attending graduate school here. I'm from El Paso. Uh, mm -hmm. We moved to Dallas so I could attend graduate school out here. And the second semester, I was essentially told that my writing sucked, right? And that uh, that part of what I needed to do to write better was to to actually read, do it. To read more and to write more. You know, that's, right. that's, I mean, if you really... 
this is like the secret, I guess it's not really a secret, but if you really want to write well, you have to read a lot. Uh, you have to even, uh, you have to kind of go through your phases of mimicking people you admire or whatever. And then you mm -hmm. hopefully you find your own style. But, uh, I think, uh, what, what drew me to this is, or at least how I develop my style, if, if, if I call it that, is just trying to be as simple as possible, right? There's no need to use these big words. When you could convey an idea as simply as possible, do it and, you know, be descriptive in, in what you write. You know, if uh, I've written enough about, about boxing and, and I've practiced it enough to know how a punch to the gut feels like, right? So describe, right. you know, uh, you know how... Uh, when you first start, how long three minutes are, right? You never exactly. realize how long three minutes are until you're actually uh, trying not to get the shit kicked out of you. Exactly. Right? You, know, you know, so I think more than anything, it's just, it's just uh, writing from a place that I know of, whether it's the sport, whether it's the culture, whether it's the history, and just, just trying to convey those ideas as clearly as possible. Yeah, I can understand that, man. Uh, writing for me was cool. Like, I was like, okay, I can do a little writing, but it's like, I've read things that are like, man, I can vividly see what this person is saying. But for me, it's hard for me to put those same thoughts, for, you know what I'm saying, for me, but from someone else. I saw looking at it, I'm like, okay, I see what he's trying to do here, you know? And one of the stories that caught me was the one about, um, ah, I was just reading it, um, Mexico and Germany, uh, the soccer game, the World Cup. And, right. and I read it, and I think it was called Borderland Summers or something like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I know I wasn't tripping because there was a term that I've never, I have not heard used out here. Back home, I've heard it. Um, uh, what is it called? Uh, 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 a front at zero. Uh, basically, a person that's from like those border, oh, those right, border right. towns. Right. From you know what yeah, yeah. Just, just the person who, who lives along this U.S. Mex. I mean, it doesn't have to be U.S. Mexico border, but I guess if you're using the term for Teresa, that's what it means. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, you and this isn't. This isn't just. Uh, 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 state to this could apply to a state to state. I mean, you're mm. from Houston, so you know there's that uh, a lot of uh, maybe not a lot. I mean, I'm I'm kind of ignorant on this, but the one time I've been to Houston, it seemed like there's a lot of influence from New Orleans, from Louisiana. Oh yeah, right? definitely. So, so definitely. this is kind of like uh, a people that that live between two, not necessarily frontiers, but borders or cultures. You know, that could apply to mm. a lot of. Right, because essentially what what I got from your reading was that these these two cities are separate, but they are alike. They're very similar, you know what I'm saying, between Juarez and El Paso. And right. now me personally, I've driven the length of Texas. Like I try to tell people up here, Texas is huge. Like right. like from, from Chicago to Milwaukee, bro, it's an hour and a half. From Houston to El Paso, that's what, 10, 11 hours? I don't know, like even coming from Arlington to El Paso for you, that would be what, 10 hours? That's a ten hour drive. My point. <laughs> right, right. Ten uh, hours. There's there's some statistic or there's some uh I don't know, some fact I guess that it's it's easier to get from uh El Paso to Los Angeles. You'll get there faster than going from El Paso to the other side of the state. Which eh, I, I don't know. It might be kind of right. You might be like, you know, even, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. I'm right there with you because that's how big it is. So, I mean, tell me a little bit about El Paso, man, growing up there. That's your home. Like, tell me, if I were to come to El Paso, what, what would you tell me about the city itself? Well, I think, uh, I think I would start with telling you just that uh, it's very much like a forgotten part of, uh, of Texas, right? It's not, right. it's, it's not 
it's Texas geographically, culturally, it's more, it's more Mexico and not even Mexico. It's, it's Juarez because mm. even Juarez is so far from Mexican, the center of Mexico city. I think it's right. like an hours, a, a day's drive that, that it has its own type of culture, right? It's more of a blending of cultures. That's, that's, I always feel like uh, uh, El Paso is much more like Juarez than it will ever be like any other city in Texas. And, and the same could be said of, of Juarez. Juarez is much more like El Paso than, than it'll ever be like Mexico City or even Chihuahua City, the, the state's capital. Right. So I would say that, that that's, that's the main thing, right? This blending of cultures and this, uh, this, this, this history that's there that, that many of, of El Paso residents have uh, some type of deep connection to to Juarez, right? That's that's mm-hmm. where many people come from. That's where my my mother's side of the family still lives out there. And whenever we get back out there, we visit we visit Juarez. And uh, you know, so that's 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 definitely the the one thing I would say that makes it unique, uh, distinguishes it from the rest of uh, the Texas. Obviously, you could you could compare uh, the other border uh, lands of Texas. Uh, but yeah, El Paso, it's also right in the desert. Uh, right. So it's very, very hot. Uh, not as humid, but it's definitely it's hot. hot. Oh, yeah. How, how do you like Arlington? I mean, when I first moved out here, I moved to, to Dallas. Uh, mm. And I lived in a very... Uh, it was nice apartments. It was close to, like, uh, Highland Park, which is a very... Like, Jerry Jones lives there. That's oh, how yeah, yeah, yeah. Highland Park. I know exactly right. what you're talking about. So, so I lived close to there, uh, mm-hmm. and that was that was like a different world that I was used to. You know, you you see these Maseratis rolling, rolling around, and you see these these multi-million dollar homes that that, I mean, I'd never seen that outside of uh, outside of movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that was that was like an, an entirely different uh, entirely different uh, way of life that I was used to. And once we lived, moved out here to Arlington, uh, it was much more of our pace, uh, much more right here in this neighborhood where we live. I think there's only one white uh, family that's actually, they're moving away. So oh. <laughs> the entire block is Mexican and black. And uh, so, so, yeah, it's much more what we're used to out here. Much more that's comfortable out here. That's what's up. That's good to hear because, you know, as a Houstonian, we, we're conditioned to, you know, we don't, we don't miss anything Dallas. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't go there. But honestly, Dallas is a decent city. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I remember when Dallas had his – like, I remember Dallas was going – like, that city was going through its heyday. Like, I think it was what? With uh, SMU, with the whole – with the whole um, – you know, SMU to school. Because Dallas that, – the Cowboys were really good. It did – SMU tried to do their thing, obviously. And then – and then um, – and then just Dallas just became this boom city. How is our so in, in relation just for people, just so people could see it? How far is uh, Dallas from Arlington? Not even what about an hour or so? Not even. Not even with with uh, without traffic, you probably get there in half an hour. Oh, half an hour drive. Yeah, it's it's between. Uh, it's it's pretty much in the middle of of uh, the distance between Arlington, uh, uh, Fort Worth, and Dallas. You know, so, mm. so Dallas is kind of uh, east, towards the east, and then uh, going west is, is is Arlington, and then after that it'll be uh, it'll be Fort Worth on on. Fort Worth, yeah, I was gonna say Fort Worth should be going that way. All right, man. So um, obviously we haven't had much boxing on now. I mean, we had the top ranked cards that's been coming up the last couple of days, right. but before all this happened, I saw um, 
who, who's one of the younger boxers that you like to follow uh, nowadays? I like Virgil Ortiz. I, I think he, uh, I mean, uh, every, every, every chance I've seen him and, and every, everything I've read about him and I've, I've even gotten a chance to talk with him and the people who know him and um, I mean, uh, nothing but good things are said about him and, and he's very impressive. He seems entirely committed to, to his goals of, of being one of the greats. Uh, and uh, I always enjoy watching Virgil Ortiz fight. Yeah, so I remember, I know they have the news coming out saying that he's supposed to be headlining the card coming up soon, which would be great to watch. Did you catch Did you catch the, the last cards, the, the last top-ranked cards, like a couple days ago? No, no. Uh, the last one, I, I started watching it, but, I mean, it's it's good to have boxing back, but I also I also find it that it's, uh, I don't know. Anticlimatic? Excuse me? And, uh, anticlimatic? It's a little anticlimactic. It's a little kind of like these are these are boxing matches that that would be borderline showcases. even right? Uh, it's like yeah. talent showcases. It's like showing right. this which, is what which, we have, which I don't mind. But I I think uh, with everything else that's going on, I I just don't have the 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 patience to sit there and watch <laughs> how I used to. Kind of like if the NBA comes back, I don't. I'm not sure how. I'll be how much I'll be able to get into it. Same for baseball or even you know whatever sports come back. I, I think uh, I think my relationship with sports uh, has changed a little bit at least at least uh, during the time where when this is happening. I can see, I can see that I can see that because now I mean because now you have time to focus on other things and with you being a freelance writer man you've written for everybody and everything from right. and then especially with the new project now. I saw you was flexing that, that doctorate degree. You know, I saw that doctorate on Twitter, man. Yeah. Uh, congrats, first of all, congratulations, man. Period. Okay, like, okay. did you was like, so it was a doctorate in psychology, right? In history. History. Okay, but yes. so I think the biggest thing for you was you wanted to do like like you do the boxing and history thing. Is that something you want to continue to do? Is that something like a big project you want to do, or is there a project that you yourself want to accomplish? Um. I think I want to keep writing about about boxing, but obviously, you know, uh, you really can't you really can't make a living writing about boxing outside of uh, mm. unless you land one of like the three or four jobs that are available. Right. Uh, you know, it's really not. It, it's more of a it's more of a passion thing, I guess. You know, mm. uh, more than anything else. I mean, ideally, I would like to to continue writing more about. Uh, uh, I mean, just about culture, about 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 everything you know about sports about politics about about just life that's that that would be i the ideal situation but of course you know uh you know it's not as easy as as me just wanting to do it <laughs> i just want to do it right because the, the tweet was like man somebody hire me you see you see i'm i'm ready you know what I'm saying? you see i got the, the credentials um so well tell me about uh ringside seat how'd you get a part of that project and um uh, how connected are you with those contributors uh, a few years ago when they first started uh i i just sent the the the, the editor uh william detloff an email i sent him an email saying mm -hmm. that uh that i wanted to write for him or that i had an idea i sent him a pitch for uh it was uh the 25th I want to say it was the 25th anniversary of of Chavez fighting Haugen in in uh, Mexico City, mm -hmm. 136, 132,000 people, depending on on where you read what. Uh, right. Uh, he said, "Yeah, he went for it." So I wrote it. Uh, I've written for him a couple, a couple, a few other pieces. I wrote one about uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez. I wrote 
one about uh, um, another one about Chavez's last fights. This is the the most recent one, and uh, mm. I just I just kind of uh, ended up working with him. Uh, not every issue, but you know enough to uh, to build a little bit of a relationship with him. Cool, cool. I was gonna say because I so there's a certain theme that that magazine sticks with. I think it's called uh, a Nor. How? How, how because it looked aesthetically pleasing, especially the, uh, the 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 covers. The covers are some of the best cover work I've seen in a long time. You know what I'm saying? Just on the cover itself. How do you keep that type of niche? Uh, uh, I would say, how do you keep that going? Because it seems like no, you either really like Nor or you really you really don't care for it. So right. with that being that type of style, how do how do you guys keep up with these stories, or how do you keep you know bringing up this content to write? Well. I mean, the the creator, I believe, the creator of the magazine or the founder and, and definitely the uh, the designers, Michael Cronenberg. Uh, mm. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not too sure how, how entirely they go. I'm not, I'm not a part of these, like, issue-to-issue issue, uh, meetings, if there's any. I just oh, okay. basically pitch ideas, and uh, they tell me if they go or not. And, but, but I think overall because of, of boxing, what it is, uh, that it just kind of lends itself to being this noir type of, type of, uh, storylines that, that boxing mm -hmm. kind of has of this, this darker element. There's this, this element of, of, uh, you know, not, not every, all of these stories, maybe not all of them, but 99.9% per, of these stories are going to end up not well. Right. Mm, uh, yeah, you know, sure. there's, there's kind of like a tragedy to boxing that I think lends itself to this, to this uh regardless right and then because there's some of those stories like you you've you know the story of james scott the, the, the guy the boxer in prison you got the uh john the johnny tappies the the uh what's his name vinnie paz those type of stories is there is there a story of a boxer or is there a boxer that you would want to profile in that in that sense I've always wanted to see something like on what's his name, uh, Salvador Sanchez. I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to see something about him, and yeah. I've also, and I've also wanted to see some. It, I I want to say, not um, uh, he's another Mexican boxer, but it's not it's not Cuevas. Um, so many names going through my head. I got I don't know why Jesse James Leha came to my mind, but uh, <laughs> it's it's you know just different fighters, especially coming from that area, man. Because I mean. Even you were talking about Eddie Guerrero used to wrestle, you know, in that in in those areas where you were growing up. Right. I'm pretty sure you got to see some of those raw boxers come up and you know be who they are. I I just like it's got to be more stories, you know what I'm saying? It's got to be more to it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if any boxing gym you go to, any any type of actual boxing gym, not none of these like title boxing gyms, but <laughs> any types of these gyms that are right there where people pay, you know. $20 a month to fight and sometimes they don't even pay that because it's waived where well, there's kids fighting basically uh, yeah. there's stories there there's stories everybody there has some type of story I mean there's there's a gym that right before this entire coronavirus shut down everything there's a gym that I was uh, going to uh, Irving Irving Powell the the, the police academy athletically mm -hmm. uh, that there was an old man just training to to fight in the Golden Gloves open open uh, oh wow right and uh, this is a guy that if you saw out on the streets you you just kind of think he's like an somebody's grandfather right, right. you think that he he 
every day he goes and he spars and then he, I don't, I mean, I never got to talk to him, but I always thought that would be an interesting story, right? Why at, at this age, do you, do you essentially risk your health? Right. right. I mean, you know, the, these are type of stories that, that there's another guy there who had been in prison, which is, which isn't a rare thing when, when you're in these boxing gyms, right. right? And there's other kids who are, according to the coaches, extremely talented, but just they just can't commit because they have other things that are taking their time. There's some guy that has to work a job that he's he's supposed to be training for the Golden Gloves, Texas Golden Gloves, but he just can't dedicate more than a couple of hours a day because he has a full time job. So these are always these are always stories that interest me, right? Stories of of just people who box. They don't even have to be big names, but just people who box and what what brings them to them because for every uh virgil ortiz to keep that name going for every virgil ortiz there's hundreds of other people who just box and never either they never fight professionally or they they never win right so these are all uh, stories that interest me yeah man so i was gonna say because i know have, well first and foremost have you been have you have you been to chicago before have you been able to watch boxing up here no, I'm, 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 I was actually born in Chicago, but we we moved uh, <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, I haven't I haven't been out there since since I was probably about five years old. I'm the student heavyweight champion of the world. Who next? Harder the signs with the realist. I'm the best heavyweight champion of the world. I'm have WWE PC with me. I want who next? You can follow Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. J A underscore the realist. Art of side boxing. That's A R T O F S C I boxing. You're a regular from down the street. What are you doing? I want who next? Okay, so I know the last card they had up here was with the zone, and that was that. That was I think that was a card where God, uh, Patrick Day had passed. Uh, he had, uh, that it was that card. It was a great card. It was buzz about it. How would you think? How, how do you think? Well, we already know how boxing would do in Dallas. We we've seen that. How would it do if you were to take it back home? How do you think boxing would be received there? Do you think people would be able to pay, put up cards in El Paso or in UTEP or anything like that? Things. Oh, well, I, since you asked, what are the things that I was interested in writing? One of the things that's always what's that's always kind of puzzled me is why why El Paso or Juarez have never produced a world champion, right? These are the world champions come from these areas that are kind of like economically struggling. Uh, these types of place like Tijuana, a place like uh, like L.A., a place you know these inner mm -hmm. city type of hard scrabble areas, and. Uh, I mean, El Paso is a, is a big fight city. Uh, they don't really get many cards. The last card that was televised there that I went to was uh, was uh, Burchelt versus uh, Mickey Mickey Roman, mm. uh, and Mickey Roman is from Juarez. Uh, right. He was actually fighting to be uh, Juarez's first first world champion, and uh, I think boxing would do well there. I think uh, if, if more cards went there, uh, they 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 sell. Yeah, I I feel the same way. I think I think obviously Chicago being how how big that it is, lot not a lot of boxing comes through here. Surprisingly, right. you know what I'm saying? Like there are boxes here. I mean, uh, they have you know gyms here, but like in terms of like bringing people, bringing the masses to watch a match, it seems difficult here. I don't mm -hmm. know why, but when Golden Gloves come around, it's a whole other story. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone, right. you know what I'm saying? Everyone's a part of it. Everyone is so. 
what uh what projects or what what are you working on towards the future what do you have going on besides uh you know besides your uh, occasional uh contribution to the ringside uh well i I've, i mean a lot a big part of just being a freelance writer is just trying to land play uh land stories in different places or coming up with ideas and and right now i'm 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 working on a couple of things uh one is this isn't boxing related but one is just kind of uh writing about uh where i'm from juarez and el paso and then through through the lens of pancho villa which is a mexican mexican revolution yeah. uh mm-hmm. who's uh you know kind of a uh a controversial figure where where one side he's a mexican hero and the other side he's he's a flat out uh war criminal right, uh, just, right. <laughs> just trying to uh, trying to understand kind of uh who he is as i get older and and my my view of him changes uh that's probably the major thing that i'm working on right now besides just you know i always have uh, a few ideas floating in my head but some of them are kind of half developed some of them are just not really there so <laughs> yeah I feel you. it's those it's those things that just brainstorming like what can i do what can i produce effectively efficiently it's like you have so many things you could go through, so you have to go through the process. I, I could, I could, I could see it. I could definitely see it. What, what is your biggest or most memorable boxing moment? Uh, that I witnessed in person, or just overall as a fan? Give me both. Give me what you've witnessed in person, and then one other. Well, well, in person, I was at the at the Canelo Triple G fight, uh, the, oh. the the rematch. I was there for uh, I was there covering it for Bleacher Report, and uh, I mean that was that was great. That was exciting. That was that was that was something that I'll never forget. Just just being uh, we weren't exactly ringside, but being close enough that that you could. I mean, you know, once you're at a big fight and the actual main event fighters come out and and Triple G comes out and his song comes out and and Canelo Alvarez comes out and the the lights are just going and all the Mexican fans. I mean, that's something that that that's one of the most exciting uh, sports related events I've ever I've ever been a part of uh, or at least been witness to uh, as a uh, as a fan. Man, I'm. I mean, most recently was Andy Reese. Andy Reese winning, uh, beating that Anthony Joshua for the title. <laughs> yeah, for the title. That was that was that was uh, that was a great that was night. dope though. <laughs> yeah, that was a great. I mean, of course, the the rematch was was one of the worst disappointments. But the, the fight itself, the original fight. I mean, I mean, I I mean, nobody expected uh, Reese to win, so I was just watching no. silently by myself. But you know, uh, <laughs> by the end of the fight, I was jumping up and down trying to be as quiet as i could so i didn't wake up uh, my wife and, and daughter but that, yeah that was that was one of the great recent nights of boxing as a fan i feel that man i was gonna say so I, i'm trying to think because there's not many cards they're talking about right now i know i know canelo was supposed to fight but now it's like a sweepstakes with him now it's like who's going to be the opponent you know what i'm saying right. my my question to you is this if, if if you follow canelo like that who would you want him to fight Second question would be, um, what would be a match that you would want to see before the end of the year is over at least? I think I think I would want Canelo to fight uh Golovkin a third time. I think just, just uh, get out the way. Just get out the way. I, I think obviously Golovkin's gotten older. You you kind of see that, you kind of saw that a little bit before Canelo. Uh, mm-hmm. 
But I mean, arguably, uh, Golovkin beat him twice. You know, I mean, that's, that's I mean, at worst, he tied once, and I thought he won the first fight. Uh, uh, this Golovkin, I thought Golovkin won the first fight. I mean, it was close. And mm -hmm. and going into this, I mean, uh, you you remember this? Going into this, most people thought Canelo was going to get destroyed, right? And, and <laughs> I never really thought that either. But uh, but I thought Golovkin won the first fight. I thought the second fight was was a draw. Uh, so I mean, even even if you think Canelo beat him, he beat him seven five at at, at most. At I most, think, right? Right. So I think uh, I think that's 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 the fight that I want to see, and I, I think also that there's enough bad blood between them that that Golovkin, whatever he has left, is gonna is gonna he's not gonna. I I I would be shocked if Canelo knocks him out or if he beats him handily. I think Golovkin's gonna Golovkin Canelo is gonna be one of those things that they're always gonna be close fights. Um, mm. And besides that, what would I want to see outside of uh, outside of them two? Side of those two, I mean, uh, Fury versus Joshua—that's the one that I, that I think everybody wants to see. Uh, mm. I mean, I'm not sure what the timeline is on that. I, I think it's 2021, but I mean, those are those are the fights that I want to see. I, I mean, I'm interested in seeing uh, the Wilder uh, Fury rematch as well, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm interested in seeing it just because I don't I don't think. Uh, I don't think Wilder's going to be an easy out. Uh, I, I mean, so long as he has the right the right hand. But I mean, of course, I thought that before for the rematch. So, you know, <laughs> there goes my opinion. It's all good. It's all good. I was going to say, uh, I'm trying to think because I had, um, I know. So with the, so I know with the heavyweights, there's that timeline, and I know you brought up uh, Virgil Ortiz, and. I like because I know Virgil is Virgil Ortiz is from that area, Dallas area, right? Yeah, or... he's from Grand Prairie. He's from the the city next to Arlington. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's I would love to see Virgil Ortiz get a title shot. If not, I mean, at this point, he's been talking about this for a while to to perhaps fight uh, Maurice Hooker. Maurice mm. Hooker is now at forty seven. I think he moved up. Yeah. So man, I would I would love to see that. That I think that would be that would be a great. I, I wanted to see Progress versus versus Hooker right before before the before the, the, before the whole, whole weight before the weight thing. Yeah, but I really would want to see uh, uh, Virgil Ortiz actually get a title shot against and like an actual title shot. You know, what I mean, not not one of these. Uh, he's been now named champion just because. <laughs> reason happened. They just they just they just passed the belt to him because old buddy right, tested right, positive yeah, or something. Right, right, right. I would like to see obviously uh obviously Spence versus Crawford that's something I would want to see. Mm -hmm. Uh and I mean I guess I guess the positive out of whatever's happened here with the coronavirus or 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 perhaps this is just a, a, a what happened with Errol Spence is that there seems to be more and more talk that 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 it's gonna happen, right? I mean it might not happen anytime soon, but at least at least there's talk that yeah, we're going to fight eventually. It's no more of the they're on the wrong side of the street talk, at least. So I kind of see that as a positive. Uh, but, yeah, I would – I would. Errol Spence is another boxer who, who I enjoy watching. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully hopefully we get good fights going. I hope so, too. I know – I know um, – I know there's supposed to be a card tonight on ESPN, and um, one, the main event is basically scrapped because, buddy, one of the right. managers tested positive. So the the guy Gabriel Flores, he's a decent boxer, but it's like it's hard to sit there and watch a whole card of 
showcase. You get what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's hard because you know what they're there for. I'm here to show you that I am a better talent against lesser talent. You know what I'm saying? I I, I just want I want more boxing, but obviously I gotta be patient. You know what I'm saying? I gotta right. be patient. Now you are now you, I I I caught one of your posts where you were talking about UTEP, where you were talking about like UTEP uh, paraphernalia or memorabilia. You know what I'm saying? Like the uh, the, the bumper stickers. Oh, right, right. I'm going to tell you like this, man. I've seen three this year. And the only reason why I kept count is because I used to watch uh, – I used to watch – you know, up from Texas, we all watch football. So I remember watching them when they had uh, – was it Jordan Palmer or Jesse? Yeah. No, it was Jordan Palmer. It was, it was Jordan. Yeah, that was that was the last time they were good. They won uh they won eight games that year. They were eight and four and lost in a bowl game. That's what I'm saying. And it's like, man, it's funny to me that you keep up with because it's like the small things. You get what I'm saying? Right. And the last thing of SMU, you know, obviously the, I'm a, what I'm gonna bring up is like the pony ex, the pony excess, the whole payment of students and all that. And it's like SMU got a real bad rep for it, but at, when I was growing up in, in, in Houston, they were saying SMU is a decent school to go to. Now, right. did you – now, you went to just grad school at SMU or you went Yeah, so I did my, my undergraduate at UTEP, uh, mm. and then uh, I came to SMU just, just for graduate school. And, and, and actually, it's funny that you mentioned that Pony X, uh, Express because the only reason I ended up at SMU was uh, I watched a 30 for 30 documentary. Mm. Uh, and uh, I was kind of like trying to figure out where I wanted to go to uh, to grad school, and and I watched it, and I said, "Hey, well, let me check them out." And uh, I mean, they accepted me, so that's how I <laughs> that's how I ended up. And, and I had no idea about uh, about. I mean, I knew about SMU, but I knew them pretty much just through football, right? Exactly. I didn't, me too. I didn't know that that it was in a very rich area, one of the richest zip codes, I think, definitely in all of Texas, perhaps in all, all of Texas, Texas. right? Uh, and I didn't know, you know, it's, 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 it's a beautiful campus, it's a beautiful school, but it, it's also very, uh, it's very rich. It's very white. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. I, I could, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, this last year SMU football was, was surprisingly good. Oh, does, I feel like even as a graduate student, was there like that cloud that was over the campus? Like, we know what y'all did, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, I. The, does that cloud still exist there, or was that something that you didn't really feel there? Or, uh, I mean, I didn't feel it, but I think I think it's there only because uh, there's a sense that SMU football never recovered, right? Mm. So it, nobody really spoke about it. It's not like it's not like it hangs in the air or it's unspeakable, but right. It's just kind of like a sense like, well, after the, the death penalty, we just never recovered, which is which is partially true, uh, mm -hmm. if not wholly true. Uh, but, yeah, it, it wasn't – I mean, for – I mean, SMU football is very weird to me, uh, at least recently, because they were so bad, and yet the amount of NFL talent that comes from North Texas right. is, is crazy. It's nuts. Right? <laughs> like – I would I would say in the last five to ten years they've produced more top five NFL picks than anyone else than any mm. other region in the United States. So it's always been odd to me that that SMU has been very bad up until last year, and yet mm. all these 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 high school football players are are essentially being the building blocks of 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 programs across the country, college programs. 
True, true. All right. So here, before we head out, I got to ask you a question. And it's in regards to Selena. Selena. So, yeah, man. So, um, I my, uh, when I met my wife in 2015, um, she, uh, I had walked in on her family members watching Selena. First off, my, my wife is white, so it's like, oh, why are they watching Selena? You know, in Chicago, she's not really known like that. You know, so just being real. Right. But when I'm watching, you know, they're like, oh, uh, her her mother was like, oh, I wish I would have been able to hear, you know, the real Selena, seen her perform. I've seen her perform. I was young, but I've seen her perform. Right. Um, I don't think people understand how big Selena really was. So mm-hmm. from, 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 from one Texan man to another Texan man, explain the impact of Selena on the culture, on the state, on just her as a singer and a cultural icon. Well, here's how impactful she was. I wasn't even a fan and I knew who she was, right? It was, <laughs> right. It was like, it was almost, at least in El Paso, I'm assuming in, in, in the Mexican parts of, of Texas and even farther, I mean, if, if other people are knowing about her, although her fame has grown more as, as, as she passed. Uh, right. But even when she was alive, you know, uh, I didn't, I didn't necessarily, I didn't dislike her or anything, but I, I just wasn't a fan. But yet, you knew her. I, I, everybody knew who Selena was just because of, of what she meant, of what she represented. You know, this is 1990s. Uh, there's, there's kind of like to keep this boxing related. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya has a little bit of this. That for the first time ever, maybe not for the first time, but nationally, for, mm-hmm. for, for the first time in a long time, at least. A Mexican, a Mexican American, was actually portrayed as something positive on television. With right. with, with Selena, it was pretty much kind of, uh, kind of like this beautiful uh, woman who's who's wholesome and and you know she mm, yeah, right the, way, the same way Deloya was portrayed, right? The, the, the golden boy, the pretty yeah, boy, the that, boy, and that right. was a major change then from the the stereotypical gangbanger, the stereotypical chola, the stereotypical right. Mexican gardener, Mexican mechanic, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> so that was that was what she represented. That was that was what she was and, and and it was it was like a point of pride, point of emphasis that that you almost wanted to uh to emulate certain parts of her life, right? I mean even right. even even if you didn't want to be a bo- Actually, want to be a a uh, a singer? Uh, these were kind of like if you were a kid growing up in the 1990s. If you were a boxing fan, if you were from Texas, these are these are figures that that were there, uh, positive mm-hmm. figures that were there for you to 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 a certain extent follow. Exactly. And what I was when I was explaining to my my wife's family is that even even me as a black man, you know what I'm saying, back home, Tejano music was huge. You know what I'm saying? Like right. and so Tejano music, you know, we 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 did the uh, you know, like my 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 best friend's mom, I know when she's cleaning the house because she's playing Los Tigres at North there, right? right so right. when she plays that I'm like, okay, I know he's cleaning the house, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Selena, I remember when, you know, Kyle was going out and things of that nature. And I remember, you know what I'm saying, like different storms and things. But we were always jam Selena and we would all just come together. We would dance, we would chill. It was the it was the impact of the music. Everything was so positive about her. Everybody wanted to be Selena. And what's even worse is that all this for her to happen, all this to happen to her, she was just 23 years old, you know? Right. Like when she passed. And my and my mother in law didn't know that. She was like, Oh well, I like they don't know the true story. They just know that she was killed, right? And in the right. movie, the way she's portrayed, 
is portrayed like uh, what's her name? Uh, Yolanda. Uh, Yolanda walked up on her and shot her and just walked off like, no, that's not how it happened. But in a sense, you know, they showed the ring dropping out of her hand, this, that, and the third. They showed those parts, but um, what I try to tell them is like that that impact that impact that she had was so much more, and I felt it a lot more back home than I did up here, even though people do know who Selena is. Right. So, well, I think, uh, yeah, one of the things that, that, I mean, as you get older, you kind of uh, reevaluate how old others are in relation to you, right? And right. as you were saying, when she died, I was like 14, maybe 15. And, you know, it isn't at that, at that age, uh, you just kind of see her as someone older than you. It's not until you're older and you're like in your 30s and you're like, oh, shit, she was 23, Right. right. Uh, this kind of happened also with with the Michael Jordan uh, documentary uh, where you realize he retires and his dad gets killed and he's just like 29. Right. right? You're like trying to process this shit. And you're like, fuck, I'm almost 40. I wouldn't handle I this. Can, I couldn't handle this. You know what right. I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. And I go back and I always go back to her age because because. Because it's like she had this music that was going, and she wasn't even at her peak yet. Like she was just in it. Like she was just getting to the point where, because I think she was about to do, she was about to put out some English. You know, she was about to start singing the English. And it was like she had a voice. She could dance. She knew how to perform. You know, she knew how to keep the crowd in. You know, in tune. It's just funny to me that when I explain it, like for me, this is this is easy. Like for me, you to talk about this, we could, you know, we could take this apart for hours. Right, me right. explaining it to them, it's like, wow, you really don't know. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's not your fault. You just don't know. Yeah. You know? right, right. But yeah, man, I, I read what you I read what you wrote about Selena, the whole thing. I used to, and I remember when you said, "Oh, buddy likes to say her whole name, Yolanda's uh, Celebron," uh, uh, right. and it's like. He had it, it must have been hard for one, it must have been hard to sit here and interview that guy or mm -hmm. to talk to him about it. But at right. the same time, it's like these are things that got to be put out there because we got to put this woman in context, you know, once and for all, you know, right? Oh man, that was crazy, dude. It's crazy, but yeah, man. I mean, what I'm gonna do with this, I'm just gonna put this out there, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna put it out there. Um, I'm gonna have it out tomorrow, uh, probably okay. tomorrow afternoon. I can email you the link just so you can have it and do what you need to do with yeah, it. Yeah, please, please. I got you, bro. I got you. But no, bro, keep writing. I like, oh, well, you got you got a fan in me. You know what I'm saying? Right, just huh? like, oh, oh, dude from Toy Store, you got a friend in me, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, uh, but if anything, man, just hit me up. Let's keep our lines open, bro. Let's, let's you know, keep yeah, in touch. Um, but yeah, bro, I'm always out here. Um, I mean, I know we ain't going to be traveling no time soon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but. You know, at, at any time, bro, reach out to me. Uh, I'll reach out to you. We'll keep this line open. But I'm going to definitely have this out tomorrow. Then after that, bro, should we, we chilling, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever, man. Just let me know. I mean, especially once these uh, – I mean, it'll be I, – I think boxing really starts once there's worse, there's an actual big card, right? Once right. once Canelo, once a, these name fighters uh, mm -hmm. show up, and then, then, you'll, then you'll start to see kind of like – what the appetite is and, and what exactly. the, if it's true that there's nothing to watch. So people are naturally going to flock to boxing. You know, you, you're only going to see that once Canelo fights uh, or once these big name fights. Once really. the big names fight. Exactly. If, uh, you know, whoever they're, they're fighting today, you know, there's, they're barely names within boxing fans. So, <laughs> you know we'll see right. yeah, man, whenever just let me know uh, thank you for asking me on and I uh, enjoyed talking to you
Oh, likewise, bro. Thank you for listening to The Art of the Science. You better start listening and stop playing. We drop every Friday evening on iTunes and SoundCloud, so subscribe. I don't care who he is, man. I don't care what he does, man. You can follow us on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Art of Side Boxing. That's A-R-T-O-F-S-C-I Boxing. Also, J-A underscore The Realist. Appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate the listen. Come back to join us or catch us on our social medias. I love y'all very much. Peace out.